can I tell you something? Uh, Israel, um, my people, w were slaves. You know this. Uh, they were in bondage, and they cried out to God in desperation. That's all they did. They cried out to God, and he heard their cry. They claimed no rights at the time. I'm not sure God hears our cry uh, when we're stating our rights, but here's our cry for mercy. So the ancient Israelites in bondage in Egypt cried for mercy. God heard and delivered. And his intent was to deliver them from bondage and to a place of promise. But between the two striking events, they had to go through the wilderness. This is recorded for us in the book of Numbers, which we mentioned a long time ago in Hebrews, Bemid Bar, which is actually the more accurate title. It means in the wilderness. And what's fascinating, uh, I hope you've picked this up, and you will, I think, even more tonight, about our trek through uh, the book of Numbers, is that God, for whatever reason, has taken notice of every single event that the Israelites experienced in their 40 years of wilderness wandering. So from the beginning of their time, which they spent in Egypt, they started out at a place called Ramses. At this point, which we'll pick up in the book, uh, they are within sight of the land of promise. They're camped along the Jordan River, which is a natural north-south boundary line. They're in modern-day Jordan. They're on the east side of the Jordan River, and God, this is very surprising to me, mandated that a record, a very specific record, be kept of every aspect of their journey, all 40 years. In fact, not counting Ramses and their destination near the Jordan River right now, 40 places are mentioned uh, with regard to their journey in the wilderness, 40 specifically by name. So we could say the chapter before us tonight, it's Numbers chapter 33, could be called the Journal of the Journey. And you're going to see in it how specifically God took note of their experiences. And then I'd like to make application to us in our wilderness journey today. So in Numbers chapter 33, verse 1, we read, These are the journeys of the sons of Israel, by which they came out from the land of Egypt by their armies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Moses recorded their starting places according to their journeys by the command of the Lord. God commanded that Moses record the journal of the journey of ancient Israel. And these are their journeys according to their starting places. So you'll see in Numbers chapter 33, a place-by-place, -place, a step-by-step -step record, a journal, if you will, recorded by Moses under the command of Almighty God himself, which leads to the question, what is it about this God? And what is it about these people? And what is it about their journey in the wilderness 
that would have moved God to produce and to preserve a record of their journey down to this very day. We will see. Now, Numbers 33 is one of those chapters, if you read it at all, you read really, really fast. It just looks like a list of names none of us can pronounce with accuracy today. What's in it for us? We'll see. Well, verse 3 says they journeyed from this place I mentioned, Ramses. It's in the first month. It was on the 15th day of the first month. And on the next day, after the, you've heard of this, after the Passover, the sons of Israel started out. We skip to verse 5. And then the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses and camped in Sukkot. And they journeyed from Sukkot and camped in Etham, which is on the edge. It's on the edge of the wilderness. And that's how it all begins. That's how the journey starts for all people of God, on the edge of the wilderness, set free from bondage, in our case, from sin, <clears throat> set free from its power and penalty and influence over us. And then the next step is that we're brought to the edge of the wilderness, and then the Lord leads us into the wilderness until he brings us through the wilderness such that when we finish the course, we're at home in the loving arms of the Lord Jesus, a place of great, great, a place of great, great promise. So you wonder, well, God, why didn't you just zap us out of our place of bondage and into our place of promise? Why all this in-between stuff, which is so painful and hurtful and disturbing to us? I think the answer is a twofold. One, a lot has to be left behind by us in the wilderness. Did you know that? Until we're ready for that place of promise. Eternity in the presence of the Lord Jesus. A lot has to be left behind. There's just a bunch of baggage not fit for eternity. And second, not only does a lot have to left be, be left behind, we have to learn a lot in the wilderness. Let's just face it. There's just a lot. We have to learn what it is to depend on God, to trust God. We have to learn to look for him. We have to learn to avoid false gods. We have to learn how good he is and how faithful he is. So every one of us is going to have the wilderness journey. We need it. One of the good things about the wilderness journey is that we dislike it so much, we really, 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 really look forward to what's ahead. Do you? Folks, the best is yet to come. If you're a Christian, the best is yet to come. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Today might have been quite rough and disturbing for you. We here received news of terrible, terrible, painful things to befall some of our members today. The sudden, unexpected passing of a 31-year-old, a young married man with two small children. Explain that. Explain that. What do you say? It's the wilderness journey. We're not where we used to be, thank God. We're not where we're going to be yet. And in ways I surely don't understand, I, I guess you don't fully either, we need this wilderness experience in between to be made ready for what's going to come. So verse 7, they journeyed from Etham and they turned back to this place, which is hard to pronounce, and 
It faces a place called Baal Zephon. They camped before Migdol, and they journeyed before Hahirot, and they passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness, and they went three days' journey. I'm in verse 8. In the wilderness of Etham, they camped at Marah. You remember it, bitterness. They were thirsty, but the water uh, was bitter, and God transformed it. He made that which is bitter, that which became sweet. Have you had that experience at various times in your wilderness journey? How God has used something which initially was so painful, disturbing, and unsettling to you, and then at the end you find out, oh God, I needed it. It really was good. I'm better for it. You are good. It didn't feel good, but you are good. You turned bitterness into that which is palatable. I see your hand in it. I thought I was abandoned during it, but I wasn't. You were very present. And oh God, whether right or wrong, sometimes I do better in times of affliction than in times of prosperity. When things are going really, really well, oh God, many times I keep you on the shelf, but when I hurt, I run to you for help. I need your help. And I find that you're there a very ready help in time of need. So Marah was that place where Israel experienced God's capacity to tra transform that which is bitter into that which is sweet. And then it goes on and names all these places in verse 9 and 10 and all the rest. And you get to verse 16, and it says, They journeyed from the wilderness of Sinai and camped at a place called Kibrot Hata'ava. It means graves, the graves of greediness. A terrible thing happened there. We read about it, if you remember, earlier on in Numbers. The Israelites were graciously provided by God with sustenance in the desert. It was called manna. They knew not where it came from. They hadn't seen it before. God produced it. He has resources we know not of. But gratitude didn't come from them. Complaining did. They said, we're tired of manna. How much manna could you eat? Manna in the morning, manna in the evening, manna at supper time. How about a burger? Something. And so God sent quail. You remember that? And they feasted on quail. And then God, so graciously, who provided manna, also justifiably provided disciplinary judgment, if you recall. Why isn't that all said here in this text? See, it was way back in Numbers chapter 11. Why doesn't Moses remind us of it here? That's the point of this journal in the journey. The past is the past. For Israel, in this case, for you. The past is the past. God is keeping track of a journal of your journey. And all of this points us forward, points us forward. We don't justify, we don't excuse the miscues, the flaws, the sins, the complaints, the rebellion over here. But you got to know where sin abounds, God's grace superabounds, and He has cast all our sin behind his back, turn from it, call it what it is, confess it, don't make excuses, and get on in the journey to the next place. This is not the time when God wants Moses to remind them of all of their mistakes in the past. Do you know someone like this who's always, always reminding you of what you've done wrong years ago, always bringing that up? Do you know that person? You know it hurts? That's not your God. The past is the past. Well, they journeyed, verse 17, from Kibrot Hata'ava, and now they camp at a place called Chazerot. Chazerot. 
Now, what's significant about that place is that's where folks went on kind of an espionage mission into the land of promise. You know, spies, they're referred to, 12 of them. They came back with a report. They all agreed about one thing. Wow, it's great. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But the majority of you remember it was that, well, we can't have it. There's like big people. I mean, we're like little frogs. We're nothing. In comparison to the giants, they have fortified cities. And God was so displeased. The minority report of Joshua and Caleb, you remember? It didn't carry the day. And so God said, you don't want to by faith enter in. I'll let you spin your wills here. And that's what they did. So what happens in verse 18 and on now in this text is you have 21 places named. They spent about 38 years going around in circles in 21 places, not really making much progress to the place of promise because of their unbelief. And then the text leads us, after these 21 places uh, are enumerated, to verse 49, which says, they camped by the Jordan from Beit Jeshimot as far as Abel Shittim in the plains of Moab. Those two places mentioned by Moses are about five miles apart. That was the Israelite camp. So that gives you a wonderful idea of the extent of the number of people who passed through the wilderness in spite of their unfaithfulness and because of the faithfulness of their God. A camp extending about five miles, millions through thick, through thin, coming through, lots of them, robust ready to go. As with them, it's not about Israel. As with them, so too with the people of God, Christians today. Folks, a whole lot of stuff is going to happen during our wilderness wanderings. But in the end, it's going to be victory in Jesus. We'll be brought, brought forth, and God will lose sight, not of one of his children, no matter where that child is, and we'll be brought forth as a community of faith, singing the praises of Almighty God from now until forevermore. Don't be so bound by the news of the day that you get distracted by the good news, which is going to be our life experience tomorrow. Don't lose sight. Well, okay, after all of this, uh, we're left with this question. So what? God, why did you mandate that Moses would record all this? What's in it for us? In the time remaining, can I just share a few a few things that occurred to me, and m many more probably have occurred to you. For one thing, this whole chapter reveals God's love and concern for those who are His. Don't you think? Look how He has taken note of every event, of everything that has been their life experience in the wilderness. Look, look, look. Uh, here, here's a book. You, you know, we do these things. It's a scrapbook. You, you, you. If you're a parent, you're a grandparent, somebody like that. I mean, you save every picture of your children, your grandchildren. The time they were born, it's in here. You know, you get millions of them. You subject your friends cruelly to, to the books like this. You have everything. You're, 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 your kid gets 98th place in some competition, you know, added, added 99. And you've got the ribbon in there. You're just so proud. Every event in that 
loved one's life is preserved. You do it in pictures. You do it in, you know, in scrapbooks. They make labels. This is when so-and-so did this. This is so-and-so's first step. This is so-and-so's first everything. Leave me alone already. And you do it because you just love. You just want to be a part. You're just, you're just, you're not a part. You're separated by ages and generations and all the rest, but there's a tie that words cannot explain it. That's the Father heart of God. I get that from Numbers 33. I don't ever have to say, oh, God, do you not know? His answer is, I know everything about you. Do you not care? I care. I take note of everything. Are you not concerned? Deeply concerned more than you know. Nothing about you, my child, who I bought with a price, escapes my notice. I can't pronounce all the names and places in chapter 33. And I don't even know where they all are today. Do you know that? The experts, we can't be certain of the location of most of these spots. We don't even know for sure precisely the actual course ancient Israel took in their, in their journey from Egypt into the land of Pearl. We don't know for sure. We can make educated guesses, but no one can be sure. But God knows where every place was, and God knows specifically of every step they took, and your God knows of every bit of your life experience. You may feel lonely, from time to time. But the fact is, if you've been redeemed by the Most High God, you will never, ever, ever be alone. Everyone has a need to be attended to, to be recognized. Children's development can be, can, 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 can be limited if parents don't hold, don't touch, don't look, don't take an interest the Most High God is intensely interested in every one of His kids. You're in His embrace. He's not too busy. He's not bothered. He delights in everything that... Numbers chapter 33 reminds me of the intense interest and love of God for each of us. Here's the second thing. Do you notice every station Israel went to, Israel went through. Every place was meant to be left behind. Not one of the places in this list of places was meant to be a permanent resting place. No. Every place was temporary. Every place was to be left behind. As with them, so too with us. Folks, we are passing through. When I was in the military, we had the expression TDY, temporary duty, on our way to PCS, permanent change of station. This is TDY, my fellow Christians. It's just temporary. If you feel unsettled, and it's unavoidable in this extremely unsettled, unstable day, you're supposed to, because <laughs> this is not your home. I didn't say abandon it. I didn't say don't contribute to it. We're supposed to be salt and light. I'm just saying don't be enamored by it. Don't try to squeeze out of it the stuff you're not supposed to get from it. You're not supposed to get peace 
safety, security, and settledness from the places that are passing and that are temporary. Every stage of your life experience here is passing. It's going to be in the rear view mirror one day. Everything is forward movement. Do you see the phrase, they journeyed from? If you have nothing to do sometime, count up how many times that's repeated in this chapter. I counted over 41. Verse 3, they journeyed from Ramses. Verse 6, they journeyed from Sukkot. Verse 7, they journeyed from Etham. On and on and on. Verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. Verse, they journeyed from. See, that's the deal. They were being brought forth. There was always, always forward movement because that was the intent of their God. Folks, we are being brought forth. At times, these people were led in circles. On one day, they went to the left. On another day, to the right. Backward, forward, this way, that. Undoubtedly, it was confusing and unsettling and disorienting and even a little bit disheartening, as is our wilderness journey. But all the while, they were being led. They were being directed. They were being guided. They were being brought forth. So to you and me, it's really, really, really tough, I find, increasingly so, to be alive today. I'm not complaining, but I just, I just want to be honest. And sometimes you feel like you're going nowhere. But that's not true. The God who rescued you and redeemed you is intent on bringing you forth, even through all of the throes of life, the stuff we can't understand and the stuff that uh, sometimes we think is going to overwhelm us, illnesses, and deaths, and grievous losses and all the rest, not to be minimized. Even through those things, the intent of Almighty God, even through those things, is to bring us forth. They didn't understand. Israel didn't understand God's leading, and neither do we. Uh, Israel didn't agree with what God was doing, and most of the time, neither do we, let's face it. Israel wasn't pleased with what God had for them. Most of the time, neither are we. But our deliverer, is leading us as he led them through a place, from a place, to a place where finally we will find ultimate rest, satisfaction, and fullness of blessing. And that'll be in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Did you know this text uh, was meant to be recited in the Israelite community? It was to be recited. Why? Uh, to provide for them a reminder of all of the steps, all of the stages through which they traveled and through which God so faithfully provided for them and led them, all the way from bondage to freedom. And we need that record of God's gracious dealings as well. I asked a person uh, a long time ago to make this for me. I can't hardly lift it. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's two Hebrew words. It says, eben etzer. I'll bet you've, you're familiar with this phrase, eben etzer. How about if I say it like this? Ebenezer. Have you heard that one? Like Ebenezer Baptist Church, you know that one? That's what this is. It's actually two words, eben etzer. You read about it in 1 Samuel, where Samuel took a stone <clears throat> as a memorial of God's faithfulness in the journey. And he called it an eben etzer. He said, he said, oh God, you have been our rock, our stone of help. Thus far, he said, you have been our eben 
Etzer. And you put this as a memorial in the ground. I want to encourage you to uh, get something that's like an Ebenezer stone, not something quite like this. It's hard to fit in your pocket. Um, but, but here's the point. What's today's date? Okay, so, so, so as of January 18th, uh, in the year 2012, uh, I could stand before you and tell you, Ebenezer, thus far, the Lord has been my help. Don't ask me about the 19th. I don't know. I, 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 I'll let you know tomorrow night. <laughs> but what I can tell you now, I'm 62 years old. I just want to testify that through thick and thin, unfaithfulness, rebellion, grumbling, complaining, the likes of which characterized my people of old and which characterize you as well, through catastrophe and through pain and through loss and confusion and all the rest, I can tell you, Ebenezer, how am I here? How did I make it? Force of will? No way. Determination? Give me a break. Ebenezer, the Lord, a stone of help. These place names in Numbers uh, chapter 33 were to memorialize each step of the way. Move the stone. One more step. But what am I? Oh, God, how am I going to make it? How am I? That's just how you make it. One step at a time. And as he leads and provides, Ebenezer. Thus far, you've been my help, Lord. Thus far. Lord, will you be there for me tomorrow? Find out. I don't know. If he is, then you get to move the stone a little further. Eben Etzer. So Numbers 33 memorializes the faithfulness of God every step of the way in the journey. As he was. You know, by the way, the record of Israel is not there that we would glory in Israel. It's not just history. Oh, no. It reveals human nature and it reveals divine nature. And human nature is not so hot. And divine nature is really, really wonderful. He led them through the wilderness in spite of their unfaithfulness. Do you notice that this whole journey began, this journey from bondage to freedom began with Passover? Could I call your attention again to verse 3? They journeyed from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day, on the first month, on the next day, after the Passover, the sons of Israel started out. Could you please tell me who the Passover points to? The Lord Jesus. For Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed for us. Your journey from bondage into the wilderness, through the wilderness, and eventually out of it began with you laying hold by faith of the Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. As blood was shed applied to the doorposts of my ancestors centuries ago so that the angel of death was forced to pass over so for so with us the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ removes the penalty of death from each of us that's how it begins it doesn't begin with a new political administration don't misunderstand vote pray all the rest just don't put undue hope in mere human agency, your journey from bondage to freedom on the way through the wilderness and eventually out into your place of promise 
didn't be begin with any geopolitical eventuality. It, 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 it didn't begin with any relationship of a humankind, getting into marriage, getting out of marriage, having children, whatever, seeing them go. No, 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 no. Your journey from bondage to freedom began with your faith in the Passover lamb. That's the starting point. And he is not only the author of our faith journey, he's also the finisher of it. As God was with Israel, so he will be with us. And then one final thing. The theme of the Bible, many, one theme of the Bible, I think, could easily be said to be the unfaithfulness of man in contrast to the faithfulness of God. You see it through, through, again and again through the pages of Scripture. Human nature characterized it's just the way it is by sin and disobedience and ingratitude and grumbling and complaining and doubting and fearing and rebellion in God's nature. Divine nature is characterized by forgiveness and by, by loving and caring and providing and guiding and fulfilling. The two are juxtaposed and are in such stark contrast to, to, to one another. So you see the stark unfaithfulness of Israel and you see the faithfulness of Almighty God. And so their journal through the uh, wilderness, their wilderness journal reminds me that though I too am often unfaithful, my hope is built on nothing less. How does it go? Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Though we be unfaithful, he remains faithful. So one of the clearest messages of Scripture is the faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is, in fact, no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not in the midst of a rapidly changing world. Thou changest not. In fact, thy compassions, they fail not as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Sing with me, great is thy faithfulness. Let's sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed thou and hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Lord Jesus, we get it. Thanks for the record you commanded Moses to keep. It means a lot to us that you would have preserved it, really, so that we could learn from it. You are faithful irreversibly, and we have an inclination to be unfaithful. Thank you for the merits, Lord Jesus, of you, our deliverer. Thank you that we be who we are, you are irreversibly who you are. Thank you for telling us of the end from the beginning, and by the way, you're the only one who has the capacity to do so. Thank you for assuring us of the fact that all that we experience here is temporary and passing and actually preparation in ways we don't fully understand for our place of permanent presence.
promise. We call it heaven. Won't it be heavenly, Lord Jesus, to be engaged in undistracted, tireless worship and enjoyment of you, our King of Kings, forever? Thank you that the process began with your offering as Passover lamb. Thank you it will culminate in the wedding supper of the lamb when our relationship with you is consummated once and for all. We're in-betweeners between bondage and our place of promise. And as in-betweeners, Lord Jesus, would you help us with hopeful expectation to function here as salt and light. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.